It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. So Ange, it's fantastic to be here. We're sitting in the sunshine in the Highlands. We're at the Celtic Lennox Town facility. I didn't think I'd be sitting here in the sunshine with it's you. It's not mate. always like this, uh, Bridget, <laughs> let, me, uh, let me tell you, mate. Um, it gets pretty dark and... Uh, pretty miserable weather-wise, but in terms of the environment, I still love coming here, mate. It's uh, it's a great environment to train. Um, you're kind of away from the, the, the hustle and bustle of the city, and um, yeah, we've got a great facility here. And how have you and the family settled in the region? Yeah, really well. Um, yeah, obviously we've come straight from Japan uh, last year, so we had sort of three and a half years in Japan, which was, we've got a young family, two young boys, and um, <clears throat> that was an adjustment. So coming here has been really smooth. I mean, People have been great for us and, and uh, just settling into life. Um, we just realise just how close you are to everything here in Europe, you know, in Australia, you, you feel a little bit isolated at times. So here, you know, we're not too far away from, from a little trip here and there, but uh, life in general is good. And Nick, you've talked, I'm, I'm from the Newcastle region. I know what it's like over here with the football culture, the rivalry between Sunderland that I had back then. You've got the Celtic Rangers rivalry, but just explain to the Australian public and the coaches out there what the culture like is on a day-to-day and week-to-week basis in these regions. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to explain. I mean, I've, I've had people over, like even friends of mine who, you know, love football and even with them, I've tried to explain it, but until you come here and experience a game, uh, particularly at Celtic Park, um, you know, whether that's in a derby or just a, a Champions League game, it's, you know, it, it's more than just, <clears throat> they're not football supporters. The, the club is an extension of them. It's an extension of their family, you know. It's, you know, I think the further north you get in the UK, the, the more passionate they are about, about football. Like you said, you experienced it in the northeast, And it's certainly that way here where you kind of understand that it, they don't come here to, to watch a game of football and support their club. You know, their week, their year is built around, you know, Celtics fixtures, their their games and, and their mood is dictated by how the club goes and and they and they're so attached to it and entwined with it that yeah, you, know, you feel that responsibility that you know that you want to make them happy because the alternative is that if the team doesn't do well they're gonna be miserable all week and you've you've been directly responsible for it, you know. But the flip side of that is I love it, mate. I mean it's I've been passionate about football my whole life. It was probably my one frustration in Australia that that passion wasn't shared amongst the masses and, and being in the middle of it, um, I'm enjoying every minute of it. Did you get a fright yourself when you witnessed it and experienced it or did you know what to expect? Yeah, you, you're kind of, it's not a fright, but you, you're taken aback because, again, as much as people try and describe it to you, that when you're there and, and you're in that moment and you hear the noise and you, and you feel the, the energy, um, you're certainly taken aback and thinking that this is, you know, it's something special and it's, I guess, like I said, <coughs> for all of us, and, and probably, you know, the, the, the couple of years we had, we had with coronavirus and, and, and fans not being in the yeah. stadium, you realise that it's a cliche, but football without fans is pretty much nothing. It's just, a, it's just an it event. It wouldn't exist. Yeah, it, it's just an event. And, yeah. and it's the fans that make it that something special. And when you've got special fans like we have, and yeah, it's brilliant. Now you talk about them fans, and you you, you want to entertain them, and, and and obviously win games for the for the club and yourself. 
you've got a unique style. Now, I mean that in the nicest possible way. I'm a big fan of the style of football that you play. How do you look to improve on that year in, year out, on a footballing side, on a management side? I think with both, it's just, you know, I've been doing this sort of for close to 25 years now, and there's some basic beliefs I have, values I have, not just in football, but in life that have kind of steered my whole career, um, that I've stuck really close to. And, and one of them is that I like, you know, my teams to, 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 to play football that all players want to play and all supporters want to watch. Now, it, it sounds easy, but as we know, all of us involved in football, when, when you're beholden to the result and winning games, um, you can get easily lost in, in, in that sort of world of chasing wins and chasing results and, and, and adjusting and pray. So I've tried to remain consistent. Now, how I deliver that, you know, how I've managed that through my career has changed because the game's changed, the way we train has changed, the way we give information to players has changed. But I've always been intent in, in, in building teams that, you know, supporters love to watch. And like I said, I think that 99% of footballers want to play. You know, um, we, we, we start off as seven, eight, nine-year-old playing in the street with the ball on, at our feet. And we loved having the ball. We loved scoring goals. We loved even the tackling side of it. We just loved action. We, loved, we weren't worried about tactics or results. We just wanted to play the game. And I've tried to come up with a system that, you know, replicates that knowing that I'm going to be judged ultimately by winning games of football and I love winning so I've tried to marry both and and so far it's worked well I mean I think it's important especially for this football club if you look at its history it's got a long history of its most successful eras and the most memorable eras when the club has had sides that played football that excites the fans so when I came here I thought you know I thought I was a good fit you know I thought if I can get it right not just the success we'll have, but the way we play will, will really resonate with the supporters. Well, to get it so right in one of the games this season already, <clears throat> it just seemed everything fell into place. The 4-0 win over Rangers, a massive moment. How big was that for, for yourself, <coughs> the club and the fans? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it, for our fans, it's, it's, it's not everything, but it's as close to everything as you'll get because, you know, that's obviously you know, the biggest fixture and... and yeah, it's, uh, in those kind of moments, I just feel real sort of sense of satisfaction because I, I see what it does to, like I said, our supporters, our football club, our players, to see them out there, you know, <clears throat> in the biggest game of the year and then playing so well and enjoying the, the way they're playing and, and seeing themselves elevate to, a, to another level. I mean, that's where you get the, the satisfaction. It doesn't always come together like that. But, you know, fair to say, like, with this group of players, They've been a really resilient mob in believing in, in sort of the road I wanted to take them down. And, um, you know, I think wherever I've been, it's, it's taken a little bit of time to, to click into gear. I think I kind of knew here that I didn't have probably the time I, I, I may have been afforded at other places, so we had to click into gear pretty quickly. But, you know, I think the fact that they've bought into it and now, you know, can see the rewards, it's great for me because I can keep feeding them now and keep taking them down this road of playing this football. A, they're going to love it. A, they're going to get the plaudits. And, and most importantly, they're going to have success. Well, I wish I could turn the clock back and I wish I could come and play for you because the football, the free-flowing football you play in the mid-third, the final third, you know, it, it's brilliant the amount of chances that are created. But what have you done defensively this season as opposed to last? Because you've only conceded one in the league so far. And that, for me, is a massive like tick when you look at targets for, next, for this season. Yeah, look, it's all encompassing. It all buys into the same thing. So um, I'd love to have had you as a player <laughs> as well, Bridgie, but you would have to press a lot harder than what you did in your day, mate. Because, you know, you look, our sort of defensive work starts at the 
forefront and, and making sure that, you know, our, our front three, whoever they may be, you know, really are our first line of defence. And again, the players are really bought into it um, because, again, with particularly an attacking player, you know, you, it's very easy to give them the incentive of, of working hard to score goals, but to give them the incentive that, you know, you, if you work hard defensively, that'll also bring you goals. Um, has certainly um, a big challenge but you know again the players have sort of bought into it and you know that's meant that we're doing a lot less defending deep a lot less defending in our box so, you know a lot of our defensive work is further up the field because I think the players have just bought more and more into it um, so you know a lot of defensive work is is around mindset attitude and hard work you know you just got to work hard and I think as everything in life, people like to work hard when there's rewards there. Sometimes with defensive work, the rewards aren't as obvious. So we've tried to give them the same sort of incentive to, to work hard defensively. That's probably why me and Vadux couldn't have played for you then in that respect, if you're saying uh, work hard from the front. I would have made room for both of you, mate. Don't, don't worry. I would have got somebody else to run around. Not H anyway. Not H, else. No, yeah. Definitely not. Bad front three, that. <laughs> Now, you're coming up against some of the biggest names in world football as coaches, yourself included, Champions League football. How are you finding the battle so far tactically? Yeah, loved it. Challenging. Um, yeah, really loved it, Bridgie. I mean, it's, again, you know, you want to test yourself against the best. I, I was, I've been really fortunate in my career. I don't know how it's happened, but obviously I went to a World Cup and, you know, I, had, I managed against, uh, you know, Sir Alex even when I was at South Melbourne. You know, it's just the way sort of my world's been where these unique opportunities have come to, to test yourself. But... Yeah, looking again from from afar, Champions League football is is the pinnacle of, of club football, and you know that it's it's rarefied air that you know only only the best can sort of experience, and so to be amongst those ranks and be able to to test myself, and more importantly, get this football club back to that level because you know that was my sort of overriding ambition is to to bring success to the football club, but to get it to to that level where it's playing Champions League football every year and making an impact and. Um, and, and testing yourself against the best and, and you know we've had a couple of nights already of it and uh, I mean the, the, the game against Real obviously didn't sort of go in our favour but the atmosphere that night is just, it was just extraordinary and, you, and, and it just gives you a massive incentive to, to kind of come back again and, and, and this time you know win in front of our fans you know take a scalp and, and, and realise how special it can be. Because what I love some of your press conferences leading up to that game there was no signs of inferior. You didn't feel intimidated. It was kind of you're coming up against the European champions, Real Madrid, in your first match, <laughs> and I, I could see the press just testing away. How do you how did you keep that vision and and and, and stay so focused and, and try and get that message across to your boys to go into these games and say, you know, what it is we we shouldn't fear anything. Yeah, I mean, well, you, you've had a little bit. I mean, you've had a taste of it. You know, being Australian, you kind of you don't have a chip on your shoulder, but you, you just. You grow up having to prove yourself from day one, you know, especially if you love football. I always say Australian you know, footballers that, you know, I rate the character and it's why so many you know, of our footballers have done well overseas is because when you grow up in a country like Australia where there's so many sports you can play and say, I want to be a football, that's my passion. You're taking the hard road. You're not taking the easy road, right? It's, it's sometimes easier on this side of the world to say, you know, I love football. I want to have a football career. OK, well, there's the path for you in Australia. Every step you've got to take, you've got to earn, you know, and I've had to do that, particularly as a manager, even more so. And all along the way, I, I just refused to yield to anybody or, or feel inferior to anybody just because I was born on the other side of the world. There was no one as passionate, I guarantee you, anyone, anywhere in the world as I was when I was a kid about football. Um, I was obsessed with it. And, and 
you know, I, I've made it my sort of life's <coughs> journey to just keep educating myself. And, and so I don't feel inferior when I'm, you know, put in different circumstances. I, you know, I didn't feel like that at the World Cup. I didn't feel like that, um, you know, in Japan. I, you know, I certainly don't feel like that over here that I, I, I understand that, you know, my sort of track record isn't up there with the best in the world, but that doesn't mean that I feel that that's who representative who I am. You know, I'll back myself against anyone. I'll back the football club I have against anybody. It doesn't always mean you'll be successful, but, you know, from my perspective, I'm not going to sort of go into any contest feeling inferior or, or feeling like, you know, um, I go in there to, to, to mitigate um, disaster. I'm going in there to make an impact. Yeah. And I think that was one of your biggest challenges early on coming from here. I was chatting to Jesse Marsh from Leeds United. He came in as the American and it was kind of like <coughs> straight away, everybody was out to get him. And the way both of you guys have handled that situation, I think has been invaluable because it, it's, it spreads to the players and it spreads to the club and the people in the region. And speaking of the club in the region, I've been a few atmospheres in Champions League myself. I've played Elland Road, big nights. I'm here in the atmosphere at Celtic Park and European Nights on a different level. I'm going to come to a game, but just give us an insight as to what I'm, what I'm expecting. Yeah, no, look, I, I, whatever I say is going to undersell it. You know, I can tell you it's going to be the best experience, and, and it will, because it is quite extraordinary. Um, you know, this football club is known for its European Nights. Um, I mean, I think uh, it was in the press the other day, Tony Cruz, just you know, after Real played us, he just said he's never experienced anything like it. Um, and it helped, I think, that the game was a good game as well. It was a great spectacle, but there is something special. It's, it's again, you walked in, in, in our sort of training facility and, and the first thing you, you notice is the big European Cup there. It's a club that's won one, you know, and, and that's few and far between in terms of football clubs that have actually done that. And I think because of that historical context, you know, that team that Jock Steen took to, to win a European Cup, that that's very much ingrained into every person who follows this football club and they release that on, on Champions League nights and uh, it is, it's truly special. Like I said, I, I had friends over for, for lifelong friends, you know, guys I grew up with from five years old. They've, they've been all around the world, they've been to World Cups, they've followed me everywhere and I tried to prepare them for it but you know, they just said that anything I said wasn't piled into insignificance with what they experienced on the day. Brilliant. Well. If you don't get, if Harry doesn't get his tickets, I'll be giving you a call. It's all right. <laughs> uh, Harry's good at that. It's all right. It's fine. Now, your current squad of players, in terms of competing domestic and European, how 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 well equipped are you? Yeah, look, we're still, you know, a we're a young team, we're a developing team, and I think Champions League football. I mean, you would have experienced yourself at Leeds. When you go in it as a one-off, it's such a overwhelming experience. You realise the levels, and I think it takes you know years of playing at that level to truly feel like you belong. <clears throat> so, you know, we haven't been in, in the Champions League for I think five years now, so this is kind of our first foray into it. But yeah, our first two performances have, have given us belief, but I just think there's so much more growth in the, and the more we were at this level. So like I said, for me, it's about making this football club a Champions League club. A Champions League club means that you're there every year, you know? And, and people kind of look at the big clubs when they talk about that, but it's not just the big clubs. It's you know, it's your Ajaxes, it's it's your Bruges. It's clubs that are there every year. You see every year they just improve a little bit more, and and that's our challenge now as as a club and for me with this group of players is to expose them to that level, to play our football. Hopefully for them to get encouraged by every time we make some progress, and I think we have, so that you know whatever we do this year is a building block to be stronger next year and a building block to being stronger the year after. Absolutely brilliant. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, you said before you like to give coaches opportunities. You love to take people on your wing and mentor them. Um, so obviously you brought in an Australian this season, one of my old colleagues, Harry Kuehl. Um, give us a, an insight as to what he's brought the club on and off the field and um, what, you, what you're looking to get from Harry. Yeah, look, I, I've seen that as an important part. Sort of probably in the last 15 years after I kind of, even at the start, sort of when I started coaching, I, I really, I'm a big believer in opportunity because I know how limited it is in Australia and, and I saw so many people who I thought deserved an opportunity and never get one and I fell into that bracket, you know, after the, the sort of the Australian youth team where I had sort of, you know, 12 months where I really literally could not get, even though I'd had so much experience already, I'd won championships, seven years national team boss, I couldn't even get an assistant coach's role in the A-League and I, and I just didn't feel that was right um, because we live in such a small world there and I thought, you know, I knew eventually I would break through and I'd get my opportunity, I knew to be successful. So when I did, I, I wanted to make sure that I opened as many doors for coaches as possible. I've tried to do that along the way. And, you know, all I do is open the door and to their credit, you know, so many of them are doing so well, which I'm, I'm just as proud of that as I am, you know, everything I'm doing in terms of coaching because, you know, I'd hate for guys that have had that opportunity to, to have been denied it, potentially a career, um, just because people weren't prepared to look at them. And, so, you know, when I got here, I kind of, you know, again, everyone knows I, I came in on my own. I didn't bring my own staff. I don't have my own staff that comes along. But, you know, in the back of my mind was if an opportunity came up, again, if I could find an Australian. It doesn't even have to be an Australian, just somebody who I think, well, maybe the door looks like it's closing on them and, and I see something in them that deserves. And Harry was one of those guys. Obviously, he's an Australian. And like everyone in our football world, we follow their journey, whether they're a player or a coach or in sports science, whatever they do. And... You know, he's one I saw was trying so hard to get a career in, in management. You know, he'd done some really tough gigs, you know, where survival is all you can try and do. And I just thought, well, if he's in the right headspace, we had an opportunity here that this could be a good place for him just to develop himself, you know, and, and develop himself as a manager without having to fight for survival and, and maybe get exposed to, to, to what an elite environment looks like from a manager's level. And, and then it's up to them, like every other one, everyone I had, it's up to them to sort of grasp it themselves. And, and he's been great, you know, he's, he's bought exactly what I, I thought he would in terms of his energy. He's, he's really, you know, ambitious. He's, he's not shy about, you know, saying what he's ambitious about. And I think it's great to have that with, with you know, he's still close enough to this generation of players. I'm far removed that, you know, I think they have that respect for what he's achieved as a player, but now he's sort of proven himself as a coach. Well, he must be doing something right because I've seen him smiling. Yeah. I used to call him the grump, or whenever he got hungry, he was yeah. called hangry. He was a nightmare, so they're doing something right. He's got a smile on his face. It's good to see. Yeah. So moving on to the another Australian, you've got some of your coaching staff. You've, you've lost, obviously, Tom Rogic has, has moved away. Yeah. Aaron Moy, great to see him back playing, and obviously under your guidance again, just in time for the World Cup as well. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, really, really pleased to get Az in. He, he, um, 
you know, obviously I had him at national team level and he was, he was great for me when I, when I had him. And then, you know, he's, he's a great story for, for a lot of Australian footballers because he didn't have that traditional path to get to the Premier League that our others did. They kind of had stepping stones. He went back to Australia to relaunch his career. And we've seen so many that, you know, it's easy when you get back to Australia, you get really comfortable and say, well, all right, that's my career. But, you know, he went back to Australia and, and not as a young, young kid, you know, he was in his early 20s and relaunched himself to get to the Premier League. I think says a hell of a lot about his character and um, yeah, I really enjoyed working with him in the national team. I thought he was, you know, he's a fantastic player. So when the opportunity was to bring him here and I just thought this was a great group for him because it's a really young group. He's, he's kind of been through it all. Um, I watched him play against Peru and I thought he was the best player in the park for the Socceroos. And even that's on the back of him not playing games for ages. So I knew the ability was still there. So, you know, obviously losing Tommy was, was, was you know, disappointing for me because I loved working with Tom as well but obviously you know he kind of made a decision that was best for him and his family which you respect so you know bringing ours in is uh, is great you know it keeps the, the Aussie connection sort of going at this football club because uh, you know Dukes has been here Jackson Irvine Scotty McDonald um, it's got a rich history of Aussies been through here so um, I'm glad as can sort of continue that. Well, not only just in Celtic Football Club, but in the, the Scottish leagues as well. I've got to say, there's 14 Aussies yeah. at the moment playing. It's starting to become a good pathway for European football, isn't it, for them? It is, and <clears throat> it's great to see. I mean, just about every time we play, um, you know, I'm bumping into a, to an Aussie, and uh, it's great to see. I, I think it is a good pathway, you're right. I think, you know, again, when people, you know, when players have dreams of getting to, to sort of the, the higher echelons of, 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 of sort of, European football, they sometimes miss a step and the next step is really important. And we've seen a lot who kind of go straight to big clubs and they get lost. Um, I thought Marty Ryan did it a very clever way when he was Yeah, going. correct. And there's been plenty of examples of guys who've taken that step, whether that sometimes that's been through Belgium or Holland and then got themselves. Um, and I think Scotland's a good, you know, a good place for that because the league's very competitive every week. You are in the spotlight, you're next door to the biggest league in the world. Um, it is in Europe and uh, you know, I think the key for that too was, and to be fair to him, Cammy Devlin did awfully well when he came here last year with, with Hearts and it's like anything else because he did really well. I think that encouraged more to look at the Australian market and, and um, you know, I know Kai Rolls you know, unfortunately got injured, you know, had a really great start, Nathaniel Atkinson's doing well, um, you know, young Bacchus and Strain are going well. Um, I haven't come across across Gowser yet, Ryan McGowan. Looking forward to catching up with him. But yeah, it's great to see. I think it is it is a good stepping stone. And I think the more success players have here, and hopefully from here, one of them then goes to a bigger league, and then that kind of opens up that sort of pathway. Brilliant. Well, move obviously if they're getting game time and they're playing, it's good for the Socceroos. It's good for the international level. We're in a World Cup year. For me, I thought the success for qualifying was unbelievable. I think Redmayne has, has made a, yeah. a career doing his wiggles dance. It's, <laughs> it's gone global. Um, the, you're going to be cheering on from afar. Yeah. What's a successful World Cup in your opinion? Yeah, look, I, again, I think, you know, my, my hope always for Australia was a bit like I was talking about Champions League. You know, I think with every World Cup you go to, you just want to be making more and more of an impact. And I kind of, I tried to do that, but you get so caught up in the qualification and just qualifying that sometimes, you know, you forget that it's not, not just about qualifying, it's about trying to achieve something every time you're there. And, um, you know, they had to do it the hard way this time, you know, as I said, through the, the penalty shootout, but I thought they were great against Peru and hopefully that's given them belief. You look at the group and yes, it's always a tough group, but there are games there that, you know, we can make an impact in and that's what you hope happens, you know, I think. 
you know, if you look back at our most successful uh, campaign, it's not like we won five games. Every game was a real struggle, but we had that spirit. It was a great group of players, to be fair. They're probably our greatest ever, and they made an impact. And, and you kind of hope that every time we go there, that that's our intention, to make the world stand up and notice. And how do you do that? By, by a performance, by a result, by doing something that, that, that gets everyone to notice our football. Well, Ange, thank you very much. That's um, a great insight into everything, obviously, on and off the field and what you're about. I wish you all the best for the rest of the season, domestically and in Europe, and hopefully I'm chewing on a few goals when I come to watch you. Brilliant, Bridgie. Thanks, mate. All the best. Good man. man.